Hello, everybody. Welcome to another edition of the Value Guys Stock Talk Show with the Value Guys. I'm Val Hughes. And I'm Momentum. And we are 31-year Wall Street veterans who have taken on secret identities and gone underground in order to provide you with a couple of ideas out of screens we run here in the shop each week. You've seen our faces on TV. You've seen us quoted in the news. But our bosses would never allow our unfiltered views on the air, so we've disguised our voices, and they'll never know. This week, uh, we look at a screen that we run here in the shop. It's March 30th. We're doing a, a low-price-to-book screen, uh, stocks under 1.5 price-to-book, a pretty traditional value screen. Uh, but before we get to that, a couple of important caveats. First, this show is for entertainment purposes only. That's not a guarantee. Secondly, uh, this is a hobby for Mo and I, so during the week we do a lot of careful fundamental research and talk to managers and operators and uh, competitors. And here, of course, we do none of that. We're just hanging out after work. Third, uh, our lawyers say to remind you, we may not have your best interests in mind, maybe recommending you do the opposite of what's best for you. So please do your own work. And then fourth, uh, I've been heavily drinking tonight. And uh, Mo, you, you joined me uh, this week. You had something, didn't you? Or you're not supposed to say that? No, no, On the no. QT? No. Nope, you nope. got a game later or something? Yeah. Okay, yeah. No, Mo's not drinking. Okay. Uh, see all our caveats, indexes to past shows, best ideas, all kinds of things, photos, etc. at www.thevalueguys.com. <clears throat> okay, we've got um, actually four terrific uh, value ideas this week. And uh, what we do here on the Value Guys Stock Talk Show if I can learn how to say that, is, um, is we run screens that we just run here in the shop for paying clients that value guys tend to run. So uh, I think if you go to our site, a few weeks ago we did a low PE screen. Again, very simple. Uh, the idea isn't to find the perfect stock with a screen. The idea is to get an inbox of stuff that you can look at um, you know, and, and go through uh, the details. So two weeks ago, a low PE Last week, we did uh, an enterprise value to uh, sales screen. And both of those, we put a little debt filter on. <clears throat> uh, we've been using Yahoo Finance. They have a free screener. That's amazing. Uh, the, the detailed one is for Windows. They've got one that's a little more simplistic for Mac, but it's free, so it's kind of cool. And I just, I just ran that on that. Uh, this week. So it was a price to book below 1.5 and you can run the screen yourself in Yahoo Finance. And then we looked for uh, market caps under 2 billion Mo. So right, right. that's the small cap zone to buy. You know, we might own it to 5 billion. And then the other screen we uh, filter we threw on was uh, debt to equity. I prefer to filter on debt to capital, but this particular screener didn't have that choice. So but debt to equity, uh, less than two. Right. And uh, where's that list? I was showing. Uh, we got about, uh, I guess, 30 names came out of that. That's not it. Here we go. Um, 30 names. And there were actually several names that came out were uh, investment trusts. So I'd look at those independently. I didn't want to really weigh in on those because you got to go see what they own and things like that. And I'm trying to spend as little time as possible on this. So, but Royce Value Trust, it's I did a price to book screen. It's trading uh, near book, so it's 
Books should be liquid value, so may, maybe, you know, worth a look. They've got a Templeton Global Income Fund in here. These must be, I don't know if they're closed-end funds. You know, I'm not exactly sure what these are. Trusts and things, you have to go figure that out. But then there's a BlackRock product, municipal. And they, never, and they never traded below, meaningfully below their own net asset value? Well, I mean, I ran the screen below 1.5, so they could be at, maybe this is where they trade. Right. You know, 20% premiums to asset value or something like that. But anyway, there's a few of those. There's a couple names we've talked about in the past. Limelight Networks passes that screen. Uh, there's one I know we talked about recently. Anyway, it's a, it's a good screen to run. And we've got uh, four names we're going to look at out of there. American National Insurance, ANAT, uh, Life Insurance Company, FREDS. Ticker FRED, kind of a convenience store in some markets. LB Foster, FSTR, they're a fabricator uh, of uh, products for rail and construction markets. And then uh, I'm not sure how to pronounce this, Mo. Uh, Viad? Viad. I'm not sure. Does it have, say where they're at? They're in Phoenix. So who knows how they say that in Phoenix? It could be an Indian word. But I thought this was very interesting. It's yep. an ad and uh, event firm. Right, so, right. Uh, well, you know, <clears throat> because you're a, you're a value guy. Value guy, yeah. You've got those, those value screens. But since I'm a, I'm a performance guy, I you screen, are. yeah. My, we do screens for stocks that go up. So we, do, oh. you know, we really mm. don't care so much about the value. Right. Stocks that go up. We get five yeah. of those. Why do you up. want stock? So you completely exclude the ones that go down. Then that's what just we do. right off the get go. It's, it's actually it's been it's a great. Does that work strategy. really? Yeah, yeah. Clients aren't concerned that none of their stocks are going down. That doesn't bother them. No, no, no. It's a uh, huh. it's a uh, how we're outperforming. <laughs> but that's wow. what we do. That's what we screen for. And we'll uh, do what we should do a show with that yeah, next does, week. That one's not on Yahoo Finance though. Mom. I'll bring it. <laughs> it's proprietary. I must be. Um, okay, well, we have that coming up in a minute, but I want to, I, and, and then I have this uh, segment that actually several people wrote in and liked called, uh, uh, paging through national economic trends. So I wanted to, to do that. Is it true that you read the kids this at night when you come home from work? Uh, we do go through a little bit of this. Yeah. I mean, yeah. they love it. Yeah. It's like their they bedtime story. Yeah. No, they, they're eager to hear this when I get home. Uh, Sadly, a lot of times they're they're asleep when I get home. They didn't used to be, but once I started reading this, Mom says they're asleep. I'm like, what? Let's wake them up for this. But no, hmm. they don't want to do that. So, okay, where are we here? All right, we're getting to uh, the segment I like to call National Economic Trends. Walking through National Economic Trends. Okay, this is the March 2012 edition. This is uh, stuff out of the Federal Reserve Bank of St. Louis. And anyone out there who wonders what's going on in the economy, where do I get that information, et cetera, it's all here. Now, a lot of this is cobbled together from other original sources uh, that they find, and they tell you what a lot of them are, but it's, uh, it's all here. And then there's a companion piece called National Monetary Trends, which you can also look at. And maybe we'll do that one next week. You know, I don't know. But I had uh, three charts I wanted to talk about this week. Um, just paging through. 
You want to page through with me, Mo? I'm you, I got you. you a copy. Did you pick it? Here it is. Oh. Yeah. Got gotcha. you your own copy. What page are you on? Oh, I'm on seven now. I'm just paging through National Economic Trends. I thought you trends. had uh, picked yeah. seven already. No, I'm Three on seven. Did you, I'm, I'm on page seven. There yeah. we are. Yep. The yield curve. You're just paging through. Oh, wait a minute. Now, here I am on page eight. I've circled something. Let's take a look. Let's dive in. What do we have here? <clears throat> well, one big concern for investors, certainly in the bond market, is yields. And I didn't talk about it this week, but, you know, the long bond is at 2%. The short treasury is at, you know, zero. We've had some bankers in here, and while things don't good, look great for banks, one thing they do have is free money from the government. So 0%. Um, and so there's a concern about inflation. You know, the Fed has been pumping money out. If we do do a thing on monetary trends, we're going to have some scary numbers to talk about. But so I thought, well, why don't we just talk about what the actual consumer price index is? Here's the number. It's right here. We don't have to guess, Mo, what inflation is. It's printed right here. You, it's, I'm looking at it. Yeah. So uh, this is a, like a 25-year chart, I think. Going back to 87, if I'm doing the math. And I just want to say it gives you percent changes from a year ago. Uh, the, the darker line is all items. So let me talk about that first. All items. We did have a brief deflationary period uh, during the recession, or the Great Recession as we're calling it. And that was the first recession in, on this page that actually saw deflation during a recession. So that, that was something new. Um, but right now we're sitting at about, off that low, we're sitting at about a 3% year-over-year change in the consumer price index. 3%. And when I look through this chart, I'm just going to draw a line here because that's how serious analysis works. Uh, 3%? Yeah, 3%. And you see, that's right about at the average of where the consumer price index is over 25 years. Now, clearly that line could keep going up or it could go down. That's always the case. But I'd say right now it's not looking particularly scary. Right. right. Uh, but wait till next week. The numbers next week will be scary. So that was on page uh, 8. All right. Let's get back to paging through. We might need a little paging music for next week, you know. Like on Jeopardy or something, you know? Let's see here. Oh, here we go. So I'm paging through. Page 12. Okay. Real consumption. Now, there was some concern during the downturn that people weren't spending money. And again, <clears throat> just like we saw deflation in that period beginning in the latter half of 08 and through all of 09, real consumption. <clears throat> Year over year was negative. Well, now uh, we're positive you know again. What? Yep. That's what that means. Real consumption. Uh, I think, yeah. Why? Do you have an alternate? Uh, no, I just I thought that was how uh, how much people were eating. Ah, uh, well. Because it's probably been, also the country's is that. becoming larger and larger. And I looked at that graph and I thought, consumption, yeah, that's maybe that's what that graph is about. Well, if everything were food, that is true. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So. But the point, we're now at, again, you look at this year over year, the line is at about 4%, which when I, again, using some pretty serious analysis here, draw a line going all the way back 25 years, 
I'd say that's a little below the long average of the 90s, um, but it's about in sync with the uh, 2000 with last and decade. 2006, yeah. yeah. So in other words, not far from what we should all expect. So real not, consumption, not scary. not scary right now. No, we're kind of back. Then I had another one on this page, which makes the same point. Retail and food services sales. So if people are hunkering down, making their own food, making their own clothes, it's not going to be in this line, right? People will not be doing this. But in fact, uh, over the last few months, the year-over-year -year percent change in retail and food service sales is uh, 8%. And it's been pretty stable at 8%. And it's been, eight, yeah, for about over a year. And if you look back again over 20 years, that's about as good as it ever gets. So while they talk about a, you know, a, a jobless recession and all that, um, it hasn't been a, uh, a foodless or retail serviceless recession right. because this thing's coming on strong. Okay. I think I have one more, and I hope I'm not wasting everybody's time. Uh, let's see here. The longer I take, the happier my kids are because the lower the chance they'll have to actually listen to this, right? Okay, one more. <clears throat> they can listen to the show. Yeah, they don't, though. They don't listen to it. Okay, um, page 18. Um, there's just a chart here, and this is a point I want to make. You know, a lot of people, including myself, you know, gas prices, gas prices. You know, what's going on with gas prices? Well, they're up a lot. Or are they? Or are they? And the reason I say that, ladies and gentlemen, is on this page is a graph of exchange rates. And, uh, you know, here's the thing. When you put out treasury bonds that yield 2% to the rest of the world, they say, okay, well, we'll take that percent, but we're going to take our other 6% by devaluing your currency. <laughs> and that way, no one will really notice it. But if you look at this chart, since 01, now, this happens in, you know, different times. It kind of moves away around. But uh, since 01, the exchange rate has been going against America. Uh, and this is just a major currency uh, chart. So let's just say, here we go, major currency index. 25 years ago, it was, um, let's see, it was your typical major currency, whatever, was at 110, and that means the dollar was at 100. So you have a dollar, they have 110. So if you give, a, give them a dollar, they give you 110 back, and now you have 110 to go spend in their amalgamated country. Now, 2012, when you give them your dollar, again, it still seems like the same dollar to you, but they're only going to give you about 60 uh, 60 of their units back. It's at 61. 61, yeah. And you're going to go, well, what's going on? And they're going to say, well, your, uh, your currency's been devalued. And, uh, and so when you think of a, doll, a, 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 a barrel of oil or a gallon of gasoline, four bucks or 450 or whatever prices are, wherever you may be, um, and I don't drive, so... I don't know. I take a take a train, but uh, you know, let's see here. 
a gallon that's 450 today at 60, you go back here, it was 120 not that long ago, like in 03, that would have been, uh, you know, $2, 225 a gallon. So in other words, the rest of the world paying in uh, a basket of currencies is not actually seeing increases in the price of oil. We are seeing increases because actually the oil is still the same. The dollar is getting yeah, less valuable. Yeah. And what's happened is as the deficit and concerns about the, the debt being paid and the interest being paid, you know, work their way into world markets, the way it manifests itself is through this um, constant pressure that, on yeah. the dollar. So that's on page 18 in walking through national economic trends. Okay, so let's, uh, let's get right into a couple of stock ideas. Wow, we're well into the show, and we haven't even started our stock ideas. I'm so sorry, ladies and gentlemen. Hopefully you fast-forwarded to this point. Um, four ideas. First up, uh, alphabetically, American National Insurance Company, ticker ANAT. Now, remember, this is a screen, a price-to-book screen. So every stock we talk about today is under 1.5 times book. This one is... Uh, 0.5 times book. Now, we've talked about life insurance companies in the past, you know, particularly coming out of the downturn. There were some good yields and some good valuations here. Uh, these guys have yet to really participate. Um, and I think it's because, um, you know, their returns have stayed low, um, although they've been improving for a couple years. And I did some comparables. You know, I'm, I'm honestly not quite sure why this is at such a big discount to book. It almost suggests that the market believes there's still some bad uh, investments in here, and I can't speak to that because the page I'm looking at uh, doesn't tell me, you know, the age of the receivables or uh, what the rating or the price of the bond portfolio is and things like that. So I, I, I don't have a lot of credit information here, but um, I just will say that, in a, in a, you know, in a market that trades at about, uh, uh, looks like about 12 or 13 times earnings, this guy's at 10 times. Uh, price to book on average for life insurance industry is 0.7. This is at 0.5. Um, they're a little light on margin, so you're going to want to check into that. But I, I think it may be that their portfolio is less risky, and that's why they're earning less. In the case of banks, sometimes when the bank has a lower return in these days, that's better because it's a better portfolio. Um, when I look at the uh, analyst coverage, there's, uh, you know, there's zero, and so that might explain some of this evaluation. There's competitors like Prudential Financial, the trade at near book, all state trades near book. You know, it could be that American National is doing business in a little niche or in a little territory that, you know, because Prudential and all state can't grow, the CFO decides, hey, we want to show growth for our shareholders. Let's buy this little company. We'll get some sales growth. So uh, it could simply be that. And their margin's a little lower because they're small, but if they get bought, they'd come in at a higher margin because there's duplication of costs and the buyer would eliminate that. So I think this looks very interesting. You get a, you get a little bit of a yield. 
Let's see where it tells me that. Uh, it's actually a 4.2% yield. 4.2, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Not bad. So anyway, I don't, uh, I don't know much else about it, Mo, but that's where I'm at. Well, the new, uh, you know, the new investment technical term everyone uses is, uh, nah. And that's yeah. what I would, that's <clears throat> honest, that, that's what I come away with when I'm looking at America. It's like, nah. Here's, here's a real question. This stock is severely underperformed in each of the last two years. It was down 28% in 2010 and 15% 4, in 2011. It's, it's just not participating. You're right. But I'm wondering, is there something with Obamacare legislation that could affect the whole industry? Obviously, somebody knows something that's not good. Uh, otherwise, I'd say, you know, it's flat sales for the last five years. They paid down their debt. Yeah, um, I saw that. Margins have been been pretty consistent. So your dividend's safe. So four percent dividend yield. Yeah, I, you know that that's that's pretty good. But I I'm a little scared by what I'm seeing it with a very complex industry, where I'm seeing a bad stock price trend. I mean I don't know. It's not the industry that can afford that, especially when you've got flat sales. You've pretty much got flat margins. You're really just you just want to preserve the dividend. So if there's something regulatorily that's going to happen, I'm scared. But at any rate, nah. Well, all I'd say to that is um, zero analysts covering it is sometimes, I know. you know, it means is it there's something missing or is it the thing missing is that the information in the marketplace. So if a tree fell in a forest and no one was there. It would sell at half book. Would it make any <laughs> sound? This one is not making a sound. Hmm. All right. Um, kind of philosophical. Yeah. Yeah. So. Uh, Fred's. Let's see here. Fred's. Yeah. Uh, Fred's. Okay. You, you shop there. You know, I have shopped there, but that was. That's uh, a. Is that a Fred's tie? Yeah, uh, it is. Yeah. It's a well, Fred's tie. You know, when you go there, I was covering it at one time, and you get a discount on stuff, so I couldn't pass it. What do you think? Kind of nice floral. Looks sort yeah. of free. Thank you. <laughs> it was, not, it was not free, my well, friend. Well, it would have, yeah. Yeah, no, this was. Uh, anyway, Fred's is a. Uh, uh, they've got a bunch of discount general merchandise stores, and I don't have a map here, but they're mainly in the south. They were founded in Memphis, Tennessee. They, so if they, they start drawing circles outward from there, that's kind of where they are. They they say they they uh, cater to low middle and fixed income people which is 87 percent of the country because yeah. there's them and then there's we're the one percent yeah no they, they so they cater to the 99 percent so it's a big market big market now they are located in small and medium-sized towns hmm. so not big towns right small towns right small towns and i remember these guys the thing about this industry is uh you know it's uh it, it's operating under a sort of a Walmart price umbrella. If you sell stuff higher than Walmart, people won't come in your store. So uh, you got to sell stuff below Walmart, and as a result, you got to be really careful about your cost structure and what you buy. And part of the way they deal with that is they, uh, you know, they have very low cost real estate in off locations, and then. Uh, you know, they, they generally don't have a lot of 
uh, you know, they, they just have the, the bare minimums of what they need for technology. In fact, uh, this is a long time ago, but let's say 15 years ago I was covering this industry, and I remember uh, it was Fred's, Dollar General, and Family Dollar. And you can go, I mean, Family Dollar and Dollar General were really the leaders, still are, and they had almost identical statistics for 20 years. And I remember going to an analyst uh, presentation and they were going to roll out some new technology, you know, because they wanted to get ahead of the other, the other c competitor. And so we're all, you know, it's, there's computers now and stuff. Who knows what they might have? Well, uh, the new technology was freezers. Yeah, freezers. If you put those freezers up in the front, um, it draws more people in your store because they want a cold beverage. And they'd never had a refrigerated item in their store before. So that was, uh, you know, they have those banners of what's coming up next. That was the new, the new technology. Now, that was 15 years ago. I thought that was in 2010. Well, that might have been, uh, been Fred's. Because this, this new technology was coming from, uh, that was Family Dollar at the time. Now, something I'm remembering about Fred's, but it's not saying it here. So I'm just going to throw it out there because I'm trying to remember... What was it about Fred's particularly, and I think what it was particularly is I believe they might have a little pharmacy in their stores as a way to, you know, how do you keep people coming back into your store? You want them to come and you, you think of a 7-Eleven, but where you can buy socks that's not as expensive. So it's small. I mean, I think these stores are, doesn't say here, but I'm going to say 2,000 square feet or something like that. And you can buy your, you know, your, your needs in there. And they keep costs low. Uh, now, these guys are putting up a, a single-digit return on equity. I know that Family Dollar and Dollar General for years were well higher than that. And even on this comp page I'm showing, Dollar General's at 18%. So, you know, Fred's is on a much smaller footprint. Again, I'm not seeing it right here. I'm doing as little work as possible. But uh, I don't see the number. But these guys have, I'm going to guess... 500 stores. I'm not, that's just off the top of my head. I'm not seeing it. Whereas a Dollar General or Family Dollar, those guys have thousands of stores. So Fred's isn't going to have the economies of scale that Family Dollar or uh, Dollar General are or do have. And so one of the backdrops to Fred's is always that one of these guys might buy them. Just that Fred's is in an area they're not, or there's overlap, or Maybe Walmart would buy Fred's as a way to get into, you know, that smaller footprint store that they ought to be thinking about. So uh, Fred's just kind of putters along. They do 5 4%, 5% EBITDA margins. That's in line with the other companies. Um, and it trades at, uh, you know, I already said it's trading at, you know, 1.3 times book. But a better multiple for me is six times EBITDA. That's a 16% cash-on-cash return. And, you know, I don't know how much growth you're going to get, but I'll say that over the last 10, 20 years, these discount stores are growing a lot faster than other kinds of stores because people want a good value. So I'm going to throw it out there. Fred's uh, ticker F-R-E-D. All right, explain, explain this to me. Yeah. Company is a 540 million market cap. They do a couple hundred thousand shares a day of average daily volume. Eleven analysts. 
Well, I think those are the guys that all hope to sell it to Walmart or somebody. Oh, well, that's what I think. You see stuff like that, and it does raise a few flags. You don't, uh, you don't get that many people. You know how well, that is? The director of research comes in and says, hey, I got a little stock. I, I, you're just the guy to follow. Yeah, exactly. And uh, why do I want to follow this? Ah, just follow it. Well, there's another reason, though, too. <laughs> uh, family Dollar, which went private, I think, a few years ago. Dollar General is a huge stock. So maybe if you're following Dollar General, you kind of have to follow Fred's, too. That could be the reason. All these same 11 guys are actually also following fo uh, Family Dollar. Um, but, you know, all these stores are changing up. You know, Walgreens is going through a reformatting uh, right now. Uh, CVS continues to push the envelope on are they, a, you know, what are they? Is it, is it a pharmacy? Is it a convenience store? You know, uh, there's a little bit of Woolworth, which for those of you that don't know Woolworth, it just means you're pretty young. But I, don't, I don't think there are any more yeah, Woolworths. No, but I mean, the things that they sold, your socks, your candle, your eraser, you know, just wacky stuff that you need, you know, yep. a comb. I mean, I, I don't know, you know, Dental floss. crazy things, a plant, you know, it's kind of an odd shopping list. You used to be able to get all that stuff in a Woolworth, a sandwich, you know, you could get that there too. And so I think that Walgreen, CVS, Fred's, I mean, they're all evolving and I think there's room for Fred's to, to be something in that mix. So, uh, so that's Fred's. Okay. How much, how much time do we have? We're just we're taking a lot of the people's time here, Mo. Well, let's go fast. But we don't have to go fast. They can always just click off, right? Oh, yeah, we don't have to. There's an off button yeah. on our or podcast. Or they can fast forward. It's like, no, I didn't. I thought. You know, they can fast up, speed up. I have a button on my player where I could speed it up to two times the speed, but it doesn't make the voices go up in uh, pitch. Right. Everyone has that, right? Right. So that's probably what people are doing right now. So these pauses can get completely erased. You'll just flip it. Um, all right, what's the next one up? Uh, LB. LB Foster. You know, it's fun to do these screens because I look back, if you pull our XML code into Internet Explorer, which is thevalueguys.com slash thevalueguys.xml, this, uh, this cool format pulls up in Explorer. doesn't work in uh, Firefox, Safari, or Chrome exactly, but you can enter a ticker and see which show over the last five years that might have been discussed on. And it's uh, increasingly been tough to find stocks we haven't talked about in the past, which is why we went to the small cap thing a few years ago. And so this one, it looked so interesting. And I, I remember the stock. I was sure we had done it, but we hadn't. L.B. Foster, FSTR. And I have owned this at times. I don't own it now. <clears throat> uh, the thing that caught my eye, of course, is, again, the valuation. We did this price-to-book screen. This one is selling at... Uh, one times book. So again, book doesn't mean a lot on some industrial companies unless the book represents the actual liquidation value of the, you know, of the net between assets and liabilities, which in a financial company like a life insurance company that we talked about earlier, it should be that. The regulators are trying to have it be that number. Here, of course, you got to look at return on equity as a guide and uh, we're in high single digits, you know, 8 9%. Um, and so that's why they kind of trade in your book, I think. Um, but it is below their typical trend. They tend to trade between 0.7 and 1.7. Uh, 
Um, enterprise value to EBITDA, again, that's m my favorite metric, five times. That's a 20% cash-on-cash return. So I keep looking. What these guys do is they manufacture, and I'm reading right out of the 10K, manufacture, fabricate, and distribute products and services for the rail, construction, energy, and utility markets. So that's right in the sweet spot of an economy that's uh, bumping into capacity utilization constraints, and it's going to start growing. Um, rail's been in a capital spending uh, period here for the first time in 100 years for the last few years. Construction's the one market that's got to turn. Energy, high prices attract activity, so we're going to be seeing stuff there. And utilities, again, just capacity constraints. So it seems like it's in a sweet spot. They've had, uh, you know, upper single-digit margins pretty consistent. They didn't lose money in the downturn. They went right through that period. Um, in fact, sales weren't even down at all during that period. No, wait, I'm sorry. That's assets. Hold on. Yeah, sales were down. Pardon me. They were down a lot in 09. So uh, from 512 in 08 to 382. But they've completely recovered uh, 590 this last year. And the analyst here is, uh, or the, the consensus of the analysts is for just a effectively 1% growth for next year. I can't, I can't believe that's true, so you might want to check that. But um, they're broadly facing a bunch of industrial markets that are growing. It's five times EBITDA. It's got three analysts. So again, the thesis that companies with few analysts sometimes get mispriced because nobody's paying attention. But I thought we just said companies with lots of analysts are sometimes mispriced because something's about to happen. We did. And it's not built into the stock. Well, so you want to find companies with no analysts following them and that's lots of analysts following them. No, I wouldn't look for ones. 11, lots. A, 11 analysts following a 500,000, 500 million company. I see. I think that's because of the family dollar or Dollar General, whichever one's public. Yeah. Yeah, I think that. Look, you're an analyst. Something's, like, something's going to happen with that stock. With 11 people on board, something's going to happen. Something could happen. So. But let's say I come in your office, Mo, and I see your coverage list. It's been, uh, you had a couple takeouts, you know, a couple things didn't work out. You've got 12 stocks. I need to add a few. You need to add a few. And you're looking around, and you're already doing Fred's because you need a comp for Dollar General. Whoosh! The maybe. tuck in. Maybe. I don't know. Maybe. I'll just say I might have done that at one point on a couple of things. Anyway, all right, Freds. Did you have any other comments on this? Mm. What's this? Forrester. I've got some notes here. This Forrester. Or I'm sorry, LB Foster. Did you have any other comments? Yeah, the only thing I was going to ask you is um, take a look at what happened in 2011. The stock was down 31%. Now, it looks like it's recovering, but what happened? It looked like, you know, they, the stock obviously got hit in 2008, 2009, recession. These guys are smack in the middle of the capital markets or the capital expenditure business. They had a really nice recovery stock-wise in 2010. Well, it could have been this. Yep. Big earnings miss. Big earnings miss. Maybe. Yeah. So what caused that? Or are they really poised for that kind of a recovery? But um, that would be the one thing I want to take a look at. Yeah, good question. And who's our next... Well, the other thing I do say about here, uh, this Forrester? one is that, uh, yeah, on uh, LB Foster is I like their uh, their shareholders. You've got some pretty smart managers in here. Royce Special Equity Fund, and I'm not sure. I don't think that's uh, uh, Mr. Royce. 
following covering that there but he has some smart team members and that's a great firm so who knows but they have a they have nine percent of the shares Keeley small cap value uh, really good shop uh, in the Midwest they have nine percent of the outstanding shares another Royce fund owns two percent Columbia small cap value um, and I'm not sure, uh, they own Acorn Fund now. Uh, I'm not sure who these guys are, but that's a smart firm. And then Vanguard, it accounts for about 20% of the holdings. Yeah, a lot of, that's guys. a lot of smart money for us. So I like that. Um, all right, finally this week. Um, a company, we, couldn't, we couldn't figure out how to pronounce it. I don't know how to pronounce it. Vyad? Vyad. 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 Um, Ticker symbol VVI. VVI, yeah, which is and it's it's located in the VVI. It is what? No, where it's underneath the oh, that's their ticker symbol is VVI. That's their ticker symbol. Yep. Now, what are all these codes? That's their QCIP number. That's what I thought. That's, that's what, that's I, what thought, I was yeah. looking at. All right. Well, again, this one came up because we got this list from the screen about thirty names, and this is one that really caught my eye. Uh, because I like what they do. They and it's unusual. You can, and it's you, super important. I couldn't figure out what they do. Oh God. Okay. Let me let me just read this. Yes. Viad Corp, and I apologize if I'm mispronouncing that, which I probably am. Provides exhibition, events, travel, and recreation industry services in North America, the United Kingdom, Germany, and the United Arab Emirates. Well, now what is that? Yes. Okay. You're a company. You are inventing things, designing things, making things. The new product cycles in American and world business, for that matter, are getting faster and faster. You got to have, you got to have stuff coming out. I mean, not about you, but my phone. There's updates every day. If you're not making your product newer, better, faster every moment, then you're falling behind faster and faster. So as a result, the product launches are like Hollywood productions. You're coming out with a new computer. You need a show. You got a new car show. You know what I'm saying? You got a new shoe coming out? Show. You got a new stapler? Show. Got a new show. 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 We didn't do the show. We didn't yeah. do Yeah. So they've got a team. Just imagine. The lights, the stages, the girls, the glitter, the booze, etc. Sounds, sounds like what we're doing right now. Yeah, but we're just on a small scale here. We can manage this. If we scaled this up, invited all the listeners to a party... Which Say we did it in the kind stadium. Kind of a cool idea, actually. Yeah. Then uh, you'd want people to manage all that for you. The, right. You know, the lighting, the catering, the logistics. We got people coming. We need cars. You need parking. These guys soup to nuts. So the big wigs, they sit up in the big tower and they think of new stuff. And then you know what? Viad, one call. Hey Viad, yeah, handle it. So in, that's what they do. So in theory, as the economy recovers, you have more lavish promotions. You go back to some of the old days of excess a little bit where these guys are going to get some of that spillover. I'm saying a lot fewer launch parties at Subway where you can handle it yourself. Right. And more in venues that need managing. Right. And so, yeah, that's what I'm, that's what I'm thinking is that as soon as people start feeling a little better... You know, we talked about this last week. Car sales, uh, consumer sentiment, going off the charts. 
So does America want to party a little bit? You know, we've had this period of of sadness. Mourning. <laughs> it's been morning. And it's been morning in America, but the wrong kind of morning, right? So I think that the stock market's doing a little better. You know, we're getting some uh, little signs of improvement. More people at work. Green shoots. Green shoots, yeah. So I think that the next couple rounds of new product launches for big companies, I'm talking big Fortune 100 companies that do worldwide product launches, these are the guys that come and they handle everything so that at the end people go up to the CEO and they go, that was pretty freaking cool. That was great, Marty. That kind of thing. So what's uh, the second the second business? Uh, second business? One was face-to-face events. And then they've got a second business that does, I guess, opening of uh, retail shopping malls and shopping centers. And they also do recreational tourism. If you have it, they can open it. They can launch it. Yeah. Although, you know, they don't have any... Uh, I don't see any uh, NASA ship. Should, yeah, NASA right. should buy them There's because no. <laughs> if you know if they make it, these guys can launch it. I mean, it would save us a lot of yeah, money. It's I, a small cap company. I, I was just this is say, just government inefficiency. There's no shipping the or anything on right. here for these launches. Yeah, but no, seriously, it's brand optimization, and you're going to get these guys. And so, but I think that uh, the the market gets a little scared because back in 2008. They did a billion one in sales, and then in 2009, when the good times weren't happening, <laughs> they were down 30% in sales, yep. and they lost money. And it's, it's been a hard recovery. I it's mean, been, sales have not exactly bounced straight yeah, back. Yeah, no, right. They're still, they're still well off the peaks, right. which I'd say for a, a lot of companies you know, that have recovered, they're starting to get approached, approach some of the old peaks. Yeah. And these guys are not. So I think that 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 party feeling uh, among corporate titans, you know, and, and, and remember now, people were going to jail for spending too much money or having lavish parties. Remember all that stuff, a Tyco and all that. And, you know, so I think in general, or, or some guys got in trouble for eating shrimp at a party or something. Remember all those yeah. watchdogs or whatever. It's like, hey, that guy's having... Uh, that guy's having a branded scotch, you know? We That's shouldn't a, allow that. How much was that? Yeah, yeah, like wasting money. But in any case, if those good times come back, I think these guys could get involved. They're trading at uh, 30% enterprise value to sales when they traditionally uh, trade on average at about, uh, well, okay, not a lot more, 0.4. That's not great. But... Their margin expansion, because as business grows, they've got a lot of fixed costs. All their incremental, um, you know, is, is very high margin. And so... Now, and stop on that point for one second. Here's, a, here's something to look at. See these margins? Take a look down, down here, net margin. Yeah. They were as high as 6% back in 2008. Yeah. And uh, they've gone down consistently 4%, 3.8%, negative 13% in 2009. Okay, but zero margins in 2010. See, that's what I'm talking about. So if you, re- if you really, if it's structurally possible to go back to those older margins, that would be a huge margin expansion. I just don't know if the business has changed enough that those new much lower margins are the norm or are they 
Yeah, the well, here would be my thesis on that, but you got to find this out, is that this is largely a group of very talented people who arrange things. They don't have factories or anything. There's no, there's no investment, really, to speak of, um, although so there must be. They should have higher returns on assets and all that. But my guess is that, you know, this margin came down just in line with sales coming down, you know, and that if we can get back to these levels, the right. billion, that the margin will come back because they don't have as much incremental expense. So that's what I'm thinking. Who knows? So if that happens, right now this is trading at six and a half times EBITDA. Again, that's about a 15% uh, cash on cash return. And uh, let's see what else. 13 times earnings. So that's not tremendously cheap. Um, but, you know, I have to hang on this enterprise value to EBITDA because for businesses like this, it really is about cash flow. And the thought that you might get a little recovery uh, coming down the road. The ROA, return on assets, return on equity, um, you know, if you got to go back eight years to get a decent return on equity, which is still not great, 12%. So I would say some of their assets here, I don't know what they are, but they're overstated, whatever they are. They're not really buying a lot of new stuff, but they could be depreciating the stuff a lot faster than they are. But other than that, as a caveat, I'd say uh, I would own this for a, a pickup in sort of corporate um, business that's going to lead to a little bit more spending on the new launch side of things. And uh, these guys look like an interesting way to play. And you, yeah. get a, you get a 16 cent dividend. Do you? Yeah, yeah, which is a 118-year payback period. And I know for you as a value guy, that's probably within your parameters. That's not too bad. Yeah, we yeah. we like we're, You can will that stuff We on. only look out, you know, a few hours. So I guess that's all we had this week. Oh, we're me. out of time. Did we? Uh, wow, that show got long. I just I wanted to say a couple quick things before we ended the show. First was... During this stressful time here on the show, I just want to say thank you to uh, uh, Carrie Lutz, who uh, has been real helpful in, in uh, talking through some issues. He's got a pretty cool show here on iTunes as well uh, called Financial Survival Network, so you can Google that up and check it out. But I just wanted to thank Carrie for his thoughts. And then I wanted to also say, and I don't usually do this, but just we've had some interesting uh, conversations. I wanted to say... Uh, Good luck to James, uh, and I'm not sure how to say this. I'm going to say Ulan, but it could be Ulan. You know, we just email, and I haven't spoken to him. But he's trying to get a job uh, in the business, and he's an NYU student, and we had a couple exchanges. And I just want to say good luck, James. You know, I hope you I hope you get that uh, that post you're looking for out You there. know, I, uh, I lived almost on the NYU campus in New York. Yeah. On Ninth Street, you remember? Yeah, I was at your place. So uh, NYU owns the whole, that whole area of Greenwich Village. And they've turned a huge section of Fifth Avenue into dorms. So you have NYU students yeah. living in apartments that the market value is, you know, $12 million. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So shout out to all of you NYU guys <laughs> living on Fifth Avenue. That's probably the last time in your life you're ever going to live at that address. Uh, <laughs> at least for a while. Because unless, unless you are make it big in the business, so enjoy that address while right. you can. Go to, <laughs> yeah, go to grad school for sure. Yeah. So. 
you've managed to waste another uh, hour uh, here almost listening to the Value Guys Stock Talk Show, and I ripped that off just from Car Talk, so thank you to you guys. Uh, see all our caveats, all of our stock lists, links to past shows, pictures our moms took at www.thevalueguys.com. Thanks for listening in, everybody. And have a good weekend.